0: This episode of the Business Samurai Podcast is brought to you by Lamar Marie Popcorn. You can get now one bag and get a second bag for half off with the code BARKER at checkout. So if you like your snacks a little sweet, a little salty, a little mixture of both, go check out lamarmarie.com and all of the flavors that they have for your next snacking sensation. That is lamarmarie.com with code BARKER at checkout for buy one, get one, half off. Welcome to the Business Samurai Podcast. I'm your host, John Barker. With me is my good friend, Justin Holroyd. Justin served 14 years in the United States Marine Corps before an unknown medical condition prompted an unexpected early retirement that required Justin to get a pacemaker. Justin was in the Fleet Marine Band, which is the Musician Enlisted Options Program, MiA. as if you don't realize it, Marines love their acronyms. Justin played the trombone. He oversaw 500 military members during his active duty time where he played in 20 different, 21 different countries with kings and queens and presidents managing multi-million dollar productions. He recently graduated with a bachelor of science degree in business administration, communications, and project management. He's currently pursuing his master's degree in similar studies. Justin, for as many people, including my own family members, father, grandfather, aunts, uncles that have been in the Marines, Justin is the first one that I know that has had uh, a background in music. So I thought that would be an interesting take for for people looking for uh, a, a different side of the the military. So, Justin, appreciate taking the time to be here.
1: Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me.
0: And just for anyone listening, I actually got this messed up. Uh, This was actually my second intro because I didn't realize there was like two different sides of the Marine Corps. you got the Marine Corps band and then you have this MEOP enlisted program. And so we had to go do some changes here on the fly. So thanks for getting corrected. And again, having been around the Marines for 40 some odd years and worked with many, I I didn't realize there was actually two different programs. We'll get into that here in a little bit. But. So, give us a little background. Have you always, did you always play instruments and know you were going to go into the Marine Corps doing that? Can you give us a little backstory on your entry into music? Because that's to me, like I said, that's not common for what I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had been around music my whole life. Both my parents were music teachers. My dad taught high school band for almost 30 years and was, and still is involved in music education now as an administrator at level now. But he, So music was always a part of my life. I knew I was going to be in the band in high school. I knew I was going to play an instrument. And so I started playing trombone when I was probably 9 or 10 and have been playing it ever since. I never thought I'd be in the Marine Corps. In fact, I had already a music scholarship for tuition, my tuition covered to go to the University of Wyoming to major in music when they call them musical technical assistants, their music guys in my program on recruiter duty that help out the recruiting districts in auditioning people that might be interested in the band. And there was a guy that showed up at my school and I'll never forget this. He showed up at my school. He was trying to get people to audition. I wasn't interested and he was like, he probably wouldn't make it anyway. And so I, I (laughs) (laughs) completely (laughs) fell for that hook, line and sinker. My horn wasn't even at school that day, but I drove home, got it. And came back so i'm senior in high school and auditioned with the intention of just saying i'm going to make it and then i wasn't going to go but then i did make it and and I, after some time thinking about it i ended up deciding to go and it was the hands down one, the best decision i think i may have ever made next to mary and laura but i would have never met her without you know, joining the Record. course so it was so it, you
0: knew going in you were going to be in in the band. You yeah, were gonna be doing music band. Like
1: it doesn't happen like that for everybody, but I did. I auditioned and had made the audition before I even like went to MEPs or talked really seriously talked to a recruiter or any of those things. Sometimes it doesn't work like that. Sometimes you go in and the recruiter figures out that you play an instrument and then brings that guy in to audition and then you switch gears, switch paths. But I had made and passed the audition before I even got serious about enlisting.
0: Now, did you have a normal boot camp experience? Was it 12, 12 weeks long? Did you have a, yeah. Camp Lejeune or or whatever? I was in a, uh, I was West Coast.
1: I, I went to, to San Diego for boot camp and for MCT. And that's you're talking about the two different sides of the, of the marine music world. That's the big one. The President's Own is a fantastic, phenomenal organization that is some of the world's best musicians in that group. But they do not go to boot camp. And the Fleet Music Program or the MiAP program Everybody goes to boot camp, everybody goes to combat training school, and you're expected, especially back in 03 through 07, there were Marine band guys deploying and sitting right next to, I've got a story. My first section leader has some accolades and awards for being a machine gunner on top of a tank. So that's sort of a difference. I didn't, fortunately, I never had to do that. I got close a couple of times, but I didn't have to, but that's one of the big differences is that... The president's own is not going to deploy in that capacity, where everybody in the MEOP That is something that could happen.
0: So, okay, yeah. So I want to just clarify that. For I think for a lot of us, and again, it's the mistake I made when I did the the first version of the intro, was thinking. You've got the Marine Corps Band, and it's referred to as the President's Own. It was founded in 1798. They're the largest, the the oldest, America's oldest marine professional organizational music organization that there is in the United States. And yours is a, and I thought yours was like a, just a subset of that. But there are two distinct entities that that people, however they get recruited into one versus into the other. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So how... So you're going in, you're going through normal boot camp. So you're shooting and stuff like that. How do you divide the time up between maintaining com- uh, a combat readiness versus being able to go out and play events? How does that time, how do, how does your days, weeks training look like with that?
1: Yeah, that's the, that is a huge challenge uh, always for the program, is because there's two different things you, that you really got to hone. You know, music is a skill you got to spend a lot of time developing and. And those right. same things on the Marine Corps side are similar. And so that's why a lot of musicians, once they get in the program, once they get in the Marine Corps, they ended up, they ended up being pretty successful because they understand the the thought process of having to spend a lot of time developing and working and putting in on a skill skills. It sounds two worlds that don't mesh, but they... It, they act- to me,
0: it's absolutely... They're, <laughs> they are two opposite ends of the spectrum to me.
1: There is some of it. There's definitely some in the music world that would not, you know that it doesn't mesh with but if you if you have a little bit of crazy in you because i think anybody that joins the marine corps has got a little bit of crazy in them if you got just a <laughs> little a little bit of it in you then you can really it can be a, a, a very successful thing and it was, it was a very successful career for me as far as like your day-to-day you you break that out and there's times of the year that the band would block out to focus solely on marine corps training marine corps size of things and there's different there's different philosophies uh, about how to do that there are I was at, I were at, I was at bands where we would try to do a little bit of that every single day. I was at bands where we did focus more on seasons this season. We will, we'll focus on music hard and heavy because we have these commitments coming up. We don't have commitments coming up these next few nights. So we can switch gears and focus on Marine Corps training stuff. But the way the enlisted Marine Corps program in general, not necessarily for just the music world, but for all of the Marine Corps, you can't just focus on one thing, even if it's music, if it's roller tea, if it's. Admin, cyber stuff, whatever you're doing, to get promoted and to be successful in Marine Corps, you gotta have Marine Corps training, buttons checked or boxes checked. So they, it, it's not it's not lip service that once a Marine always or every Marine rifle. Every, that is a philosophy that, that trickles down to every occupational field in the pro, in the Marine Corps. Yeah, okay. I was
0: gonna say because I remember growing up seeing my dad, saying all of the marksmanship badges that he would have. Those times he would have to put that stuff on his uniform, which I don't recall that being very frequent, but there were times. Yeah. Now you mentioned bands, plural. So how was the structure set up? How many like divisions were there? Like, sure. How many events did they run? That type of stuff.
1: Events that they ran is 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 a ton. There are ten different Marine Corps fleet bands. There's one in Japan, one in Hawaii, several in Southern California, and then a couple in the Carolinas and one in Virginia. So there's one at each division right now, and there's one at each—well, is that right? Let me think about that. There are Okinawa, San Diego, Miramar, Pendleton, Hawaii, New Orleans, Quantico, the other in San Diego, like the Depot, and then Cherry Point, North Carolina— and Camp Lejeune, so that there's your ten. Okay. <laughs> but
0: then, but you would get deployed all across the world then to places. Yeah, different. Ba- yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I spent a lot of my time in Hawaii, which was awesome, and we got to. I went all over Asia to do different performances. I did a. We did a tour of New Zealand a couple times, two stretches out there. Once for the Rugby World Cup, which was a lot of fun, and then we did another three week tour in New Zealand where we were. Commemorating the 50th anniversary of Marines landing in New Zealand and staging there before they embarked on the island hopping campaign in World War II, so it's a it's an interesting gig for sure. You, you can't you learn a lot about the, you're immersed in Marine Corps history and Marine Corps tradition because that's a big part of the job is educating public on those sorts of things, like those events where you're celebrating anniversaries of battles. I was in Guadalcanal celebrating the 70th anniversary of that battle. Yeah. So there's a lot of, it depends on which band you are. So you have the Hawaii band, which did a lot of outside of the country stuff, but then the bands that are inside the country, they do, they travel around, they're doing a lot of performances for small town America, the Steed's Ferry Shrimp Festival in the <laughs> side or Cherry Point, you know, though. so you get, you so- get mixed things.
0: So is there like a tiered system in there where somebody starts out you're doing the small town stuff and then as you either get tenure within the Marine Corps uh, or skill set ranking like chairs <laughs> that's my extent that's the extent of my knowledge of music is knowing that there's the the chairs in an orchestra but that you would get there and go okay you're at a skill set that's enough to go travel the world to go do this versus you're coming and playing in my backyard at a wedding. Right. Or
1: yeah, that's an, interesting, that that's an interesting idea, but it doesn't quite work like that. It works the same way as any Marine Corps Marine gets transferred. you go Oh, really? To, okay. You go, to, you go to where you're supposed to go, and every band has a, a little bit of a different mission based on the geography that they're at, but you rotate every three years typically, three to four years, unless you're like me, you get stuck in Hawaii for a while, but that's not a... Sounds uh, horrible. Sounds horrible. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, did, w- with that, did... You coordinated a lot of the events, though, right? You weren't just showing up and saying, "All right, I got to play at seven o'clock at night." If I recall correctly, in our previous conversations, you were actually in the lead on making these things happen. What was the complexity of that with making these projects, which, quite frankly, are little micro or major projects potentially could go off?
1: Yeah, you don't start off like that. Obviously, it's it's something you work. That is something you work up to. You know, you do start off as just an individual contributor musician showing up with their horn and, and the right uniform and playing. But then as you get promoted and you pick up rank and you move up, then you do move into more manager type roles. And when I got, when I left, I was doing, I was running anything that didn't require the whole band. I was putting together the people and the music and the, and the logistics for that group. So you have a band, a bands are usually 50 size, 50 members ish, but not every event would, can either facilitate having 50 people at it or needs 50 people at it. So you have funerals that only need one trumpet player to go to play taps. And then you have, then you might get a situation like one of my last gigs ever was, hey, we the general has got a space on his plane for, for five people and we want music. Can, what music can you make with five people? And so then, <laughs> then you pick out, you figure out what the requirements are and what's, what kind of events these people are going to be asked to play at. Then you put together a group that can handle that. And then you work it. Sometimes that would mean rearranging music because there's not, you know, there, there's some of that stuff that isn't written for that specific group. So you got to rearrange that. I did a little bit of that and had, unfortunately had a lot of great friends and people that worked with me that helped me out a lot on that too. And then you put together a mini group and then and you go out and do the event, do the performance. And that was my, um, that was what I was doing when I left. And it's special projects leader or small ensemble leader would be the nut, would be the, the, like the official Marine Corps MOS title for it, small ensemble leader. And there's only a handful of people that do that in the entire Marine Corps. There's maybe 10 to 15 guys in the 200,000 plus Marine Corps nice. that that get to do that. So it was a really special privilege that I got to do that.
0: So how do you decide wh- or who, who makes a request in or who decides, Hey, here's the events that we're going to play. How, do, how does that get prioritized and you guys get deployed out to wherever you got to go?
1: Just in any military function. Sometimes it's as simple as a guy with a lot of rank says the band's going to go do this and then they got to do it. <laughs>
0: that makes sense.
1: So there are, there is structures in place and there's, there is some, there's a little bit of a, uh, there's processes involved and what, what what we're allowed to perform at what we're not allowed to perform at, and there is a hierarchy inside the program we have marine musicians marine enlisted musicians at the pentagon and they oversee the program there and so there's a little bit of a structured hierarchy there's a request process you send a request form in you can send it to the pentagon you can send it to the individual bands and then it's got to get vetted by legal and of course the band's gonna vet it can we do this do we want to do this and then there's a, an approval process that kind of works its way up, chain of command, just like anything
0: else. What about, you know, we talked about off the top, and you played in a bunch of different countries for kings and queens and other presidents of other countries. Is there a different etiquette or protocol that you guys get briefed on when you're yeah. going into an environment like that versus I remember, I think in middle school, the Marine Corps band coming to my middle school and playing a bunch of movie <laughs> things. There's gotta be something different. Do you have any stories around
1: there? Absolutely, um, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, we were one of, I had a group in, I was a part of a group in 2011 <laughs> That I think this is accurate was one of the first openly invited U.S. military presence in China in some time. So we did some performances in Shanghai and Beijing, and which was a, which was a cool trip to get to to do that. And yeah, absolutely. The there's way different protocol and things involved for guys going to China than there is guys going to the middle school down <laughs> so that that particular thing. I believe even all the way up to the commandant of the Marine Corps at the time was at least aware that we were doing that and had an opinion on us being there in china at the time we were going it was completely a community relations event we played for we played for a high school like the equivalent of like a high school marching band festival we played at we we were the end of the night key performers for that event then we played some concerts. Some other concerts, for at, uh, schools in the area, community events there. That was a big trip. We did everything in there between marching band and concert band, and that's a lot of logistics of shipping instruments across the world, and because you can't check a timpani on, <laughs> on an air, <laughs> on an airplane, so there's lots of travel logistics and craziness involved in that. So yeah, there is a difference bureaucracy there, yeah. one of those between those two things. But that's if also the- a good example of the spectrum of what you do. It could be middle school music appreciation day and you're going to play the hokey pokey and (laughs) SpongeBob, the theme from spongebob all the way up to something like pretty serious like that where we're the china trip or the new zealand trip where there's protocol like on the new zealand trip there's protocol involved in how you play for the prime minister of new zealand and you got to learn their anthem and how they do it and and that sort of thing so
0: that i guess that begs an interesting question We think about china now i'm not going to sit there and try to project 10 11 years ago about what you're allowed to play in an environment like that communist because right now they censor everything that comes from the united states what was it did you have to go through this crazy music selection process that you go Mm -hmm. oh my god we don't want to offend your the host country (laughs) in china something that is absolutely like they may take offense to just be for whatever reason that they may have, was that something that? How much did that go into like your planning and and then
1: practice and prep? We didn't necessarily we censor the music per se. We played. We did choose on that performance a lot of pretty universally known in the music world at least selections. These like some classical music stuff, like the Whole Planet Suite, which if even if you don't know the title of that work you recognize melodies if you heard it those those sorts of things so we stuck to stuck to stuff that was pretty well known and accepted in the music world per se but that's definitely something you got to consider when you go into those other countries and is what music do people like and even if it's not from an offense standpoint you don't want to play anything that anybody doesn't want to hear so when we would go into countries we would look and try to figure out and get what's popular here right now and how can we make sure that we're we want to play stuff that people know.
0: Yeah, I I guess this, and, and this is me just thinking out when I've went to like musicals in New York or you see a band in concert or something like that, for the most part, they're playing the same sets over and over again. They're very well rehearsed in that. And it sounds like to me, that you have to be, I'm not saying that others can't do that, that those guys can't do this, but you've got to be skilled to sit there and go, all right, we've only got maybe a short window to learn a whole bunch of new stuff because of this environment. Yep. So is that is that like an increased skill set on your guys' part because that's what you're doing? Or is it from musicals' perspective going, we learned this enough to get through this event type, type yeah. of situation, and then you go, all right, we're never going to do that one again.
1: There's... Th- and I'm biased, obviously, but I do think it takes a special skill set to do the what the Marine Corps music program asks you to do. But there, there is a lot of that. So there's both, or there, you know, all all three of what you've said. There is music you have to know all the time and be ready to do again and again over and over with. You know, from a ceremony standpoint, the Marine Corps hasn't changed the music they use in a ceremony in 100, you know, hundreds of years. So you're using, you're playing the same music for those ceremonies every time you do it. So you memorize those songs and you just have them ready to go whenever you need to do it. And then there are, then there's like what we talked about, you're traveling to a different country. And when, when I don't know if you remember that tune, uh, Gangnam Style. Yes. <laughs> but there was a time in, in Asia and even in Samoa, we were, we were doing some some things in America and Samoa. That song was crazy popular. So I think you, know, you just gave me my YouTube theme title. For yeah. this episode. <laughs> so we, uh, we learned that song and then, but you got, you recognize at the time, Hey, this is a one hit wonder. It's going to be popular for three or four months. So we're going to learn it so we can play it now. So it's popular, but then it's then it'll go away and we won't play it anymore. And then there's stuff specifically when you're learning it, that you're only playing it for this one performance and you're never going to, you're never going to play it again. That's some of them. Um, there's in Tonga, I did a, uh gig for the coronation of the king of Tonga and for his birthday there's a big festival the king of Tonga, and there were some songs there that they marched to and that they used for their ceremonies that we learned that we knew we were only playing for for that gig we're not going to go home and play those all the time
0: (laughs) (laughs) how much time do you get to learn how much lead time do you get to go we got to we get to learn this. It
1: depends. Most of the time, especially with stuff like international travel, that it's, it can happen on a whim, and has, but for most of that, you get a pretty good amount of leeway, a couple months, that you're going on this thing and we're going to perform these songs and that sort of thing, so you get a little bit.
0: See, and that's where my ignorance comes into of music and being able to read music, going, can anybody just put a, a sheet of music down and you can just pick up your trombone and just go with it, or is there all that practice with everyone else to get the timing down so it sounds coherent at I mean, least there's, of there's a, it,
1: there's a little bit of both. Most of my performance, there were, it would be rare that we pulled out something that we had never seen before to play right then and there on the spot. That would not, that doesn't happen very often. You, if you have that ability, working on that ability really makes you prepared to do what, you know, to, to play well and to sound good if you can do that. But that would be a rare that we, were, that we were sight reading something on the spot and then to perform it. For it can't happen, but it could happen, but it could happen. Interesting, it'd be, it'd does everybody
0: sweat? I'm sure everybody sweat bullets a little bit on something like that.
1: <laughs> I would maybe, like, I don't know, but sometimes stuff happens.
0: What was probably the best event that you call back and go, That was either cool or we nailed it from your time?
1: Yeah, I often and I tell this story a lot when I've had I've told it a lot in job interviews recently when they talk about like a moment you're proud of or something like that. And we did on a smaller group trip it was maybe only about 10 people in a group that we called we called it a couple different things over the years at one point in time it was called party band and then we changed it to call it brass band but it's a smaller group that plays mostly popular music commercial stuff jazz not as a formal or ceremonial type group which i enjoyed and was my favorite group to play in but we once did a we were doing some work for the cambodia for the American embassy in Cambodia, and they had this, they had an orphanage there that was for blind and deaf kids that they asked us to play at. And we were a little hesitant because it's music. So there's going to be. Right. It's music and it's visual music. This was a group like a James Brown band or Earthwind Fire Tower of Power, where there's choreography and you're moving around. Oh, okay.
0: Dude, I didn't even think. All right,
1: <laughs> you're not, you're not you're standing. There's there. It's a, in a very interactive and visual p- element to it as well. So we were half the people are half the kids aren't going to be able to hear us, and half the kids aren't going to be able to see us. So we were a little hesitant about it. But <laughs> I can imagine it was hands down the best performance I was ever a part of. The kids, the staff, everybody was just so, you could tell they don't get a lot of people that show up to this place to help them out and do these types of things. We were, I'm positive, some of the only Americans that those kids were ever going to see. And being able to leave them with a positive impression of the country and of music and expose them to some things that... They wouldn't be exposed to. That was awesome. There were some cool gigs, like I said, Prime Minister of New Zealand. I've, I've played for Biden a couple times. Th- those types of things. That's cool that you can say that you did that. But really, that gig, I walked away from that knowing that, like, I made an impact. That's awesome. Days, in those moments, I had a kid hold my trombone, and I could see was, he was blind, and he was running his hands down it, and I could see him forming the image, of what it might look like. That's awesome in his head, and so mm-hmm. that was a really special awesome thing.
0: No, that's, that's an awesome story. How about, I'm going to, I'm going to do the flip side of it. Okay. Did you ever have that event where you're like, oh my God, we survived this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. There's definitely, it's a joke sometimes where we're getting ready to go on and the guy leading the group might come out and say, guys, there are literally tens of people out there. <laughs> <laughs> so not every, not every gig you show up to is going to have, going to have a huge audience. We did a, I did a gig on the 4th of July one time with this was with my, this has become kind of a special gig because it's one of the last times I performed with my friend from last summer that I know you know about. We don't didn't get into, but he, that, that was in Virginia beach on the beach 4th of July at night, fireworks, thousands of people out there. That was, a, that was another really special, really cool gig, but not every gig's like that. There are gigs that are tens of people and there are, I, and so there's so, I think there's two elements when you think about things you just survive. So those gigs that are just like not super well attended and maybe you worked a lot to work up to that point. It doesn't really go off the way you wanted it to. But the other part is uh, we talked about that gig in Tonga. There was a ceremony before in the daytime before the nighttime concert performance thing. And it's hot, it's like you're on the equator. It's like real feel of one, 115, 120 and you're in uniform standing at attention. and. Ooh, And it's long. and So there's, those are some of the things that I think about just surviving when you're just standing there for a couple hours, you play some stuff in between some speeches and, and so there's some of those that you miss a lot of things, but you don't miss everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things you had that medical
1: condition that got diagnosed
0: unceremoniously prompted a early retirement is that if you had been in, I'll call it the other, the Marine Corps band, would that have affected your performance Mm. versus being in in, uh, the enlisted program.
1: I don't know. Every Marine Corps has to be every Marine in the fleet has to be in the regular Marine Corps has to be deployable all the time. So if you're not deployable, then that's when you get into situations where you're asked, you know, to leave or medically retired, those sorts of things. So that's, that was my situation. The pacemaker made me non deployable doctors put on some paperwork. It's not recommended he be deployed to your locations or whatever. So that may be non deployable, and, you know, prompted the exit. I don't honestly know if that would have been the case had it been. that I was just
0: curious. You got someone who's been in as long as you were. I may have mentioned this to you when, again, one when of the first times you, you, me and you had talked about that going, there had to have been something to an exception to the deployable rule because there's so many jobs that need to be done. And you already showed competency in the deployment, the gathering of all that stuff and being an advocate, because that's something we didn't talk about. Quite frankly, what is... Why does the Marine have all of these bands out there when you think of them as a combat fighting force around the world? Is this just strictly to promote the Marines is, or do they have something else in their mission statement that they're trying to advance?
1: Every band has a secondary combat related mission statement to it. So you okay. know, the Quantico band close to us here, are, at the time I was in there, their secondary mission statement was to be a security augmentation force. So just the backup. Uh, military police unit. so when things when things happen, you could send the full-time MPs to take care of what an emergency or a crisis and then you can have some reinforcements from the band come in to help out supplement some things. So every band is supposed it has that like secondary combat thing. but where the band really I think this is just me and talking from my experience, where the band really has a lot of value is international travel and relations relationship building we i did some gigs in vietnam that ended with me like spending time you know with uh, vietnamese army officials I'm drinking a beer with them and stuff like that so that's it's hard to put value it's hard to put like a, a quantifiable metric to that but that's really where there's a lot of value okay in, in the Marine Corps music program is just having so there's a different impression let's say we're doing a gig in the philippines or we're doing a gig somewhere around Asia, around around China. There's a different impression seeing a guy show up with a gun versus a guy show up with a drum roll. There's some civilian equity in places that we want to be our allies that have, that can be built up with through music and through Marine musicians being out there. And it's not just the Marine Corps. Marine Corps has got 10 Fleet Marine Pro, Music Pro bands, but the Army, every service has them, Army, Navy, air force and coast guard they all have bands in some sort of fashion in fact
0: the army We're doing with a similar mission
1: yeah an army relationship has, and the army may have like 100 i'm not sure how big they are now but somebody, wow somebody could look that up but there are a lot of the it's a kind of a little known secret that the military employs a ton of musicians
0: <laughs> i was going to say because when I think of military bands, the first one has always been the Marine Corps Band. This yep. seems to me to be the one that's out front. If you told me the Coast Guard had one, that was news to me. Yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I I didn't know that. What about other countries? Did you guys go out yeah. if when you were traveling the world? Do other countries have similar bands? Did you ever do Battle of the Bands? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That> situation. <laughs> Absolutely. There's
1: that Tonga gig I was talking about. That was an international event where multiple countries' bands were a part of that. And just down the road here in Virginia Beach, Norfolk area, there's a huge, it's called a Virginia International 2, or Virginia International Tattoo, which is a huge military music festival. So there's Republic of Korea musicians, rock marines that come and perform at that. There's a whole section of the British Royal Marines music that comes and performs at that. It's There are all over the world. You know, I met. In Tonga I perform with the Australian Musician Army Bands. And in New Zealand, same thing with the New Zealand Force cool. Bands.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know how much that was prevalent in other places as far as you guys being, again, not necessarily not that non-combat role to try to build other stronger bonds with other people, like you said, having that beer, being able to go intertwine the bands together, that type of thing. Yeah. No, that's That's awesome. Now post, because I know yours was again, an unexpected retirement for the medical conditions. What is, if you had that additional, that traditional retirement period where you're going, hey, I know I'm getting out in a year from now. What is there a typical post-military career for the musicians that you've you seen others go into, assuming they have that ramp up time and that type of thing that kind of sets them up for a secondary career.
1: So I think that's definitely one of the bigger challenges is that there really isn't that what we do inside their day to day, just doesn't exist in the civilian world. There's not large civilian <laughs> organizations that are going to play. You pay you a decent salary plus benefits and only have, and have you almost work? Not nine to five, the schedule's differently, but have you, you sure. two and musicians are gig based more often than not in the civilian world. And it's rare to get a job like that. So there's not especially if you want to just play. There's not jobs you walk into just as there's I think there's skills that transfer to different types of roles, manager type roles. I see a lot of my guys doing project management, that sort of thing. And there's also a lot of them that kinda of move into cyber movement tech. There's some skills there. But the
0: reason I asked that it's because that i I will say particularly with the pilot there's a lot of the the guys that retire there are pilots of some sort that do transition to an airline career or something on that line because you have been trained in one of the most rigorous environments on the face of the earth you can go handle a commercial job in that realm that that i would i didn't know when it comes to movies tvs and all these places everything even advanced youtubers now use you have music background there's going to be a burgeoning field for somebody that's military trained. Right. That's had all the time put in.
1: But it's taken some time to figure out how to communicate that for me into into different transferable transferable skills. Definitely something that I hope when we talk about my master's degree, one of the things I'm hoping to do with that is to kind of help other Marines eventually volunteer other Marines and Uh help them figure out how to talk to how their skills transfer and how they can talk about bringing value in a different organization after being used to doing things the same way for a long time. Especially Marines that have been in there for a while.
0: No, I was going to say that I'm seeing that as something that's in the job market as a whole, where you've got people that that are writing these position descriptions that are extremely stovepiped. We want a project manager that can sit there and organize, identify risk, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't know this exact piece of software that you've been doing it this way for 10 years, then you don't fit the criteria. And it's hold on a second. If I can do 90% of the job, you're telling me that I can't figure out your stupid little piece of software very quickly. And and I see that being as a whole. So being able to help break through that, that's going to be something going forward, particularly now with kind of the, this employment renaissance period we appear to be in right now. (laughs) For
1: sure. sure.
0: So so I'll wrap up, I'll wrap up with this. Do you still play? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> not as often as i'd like to but i have it i sit out have it sit out here so that i can <laughs> it was almost the reason
0: <laughs> hey i recognized it <laughs> No, I didn't know. With uh, transitioning into your your new account manager role, what time recording this, you're getting ready to start working for a here in the next uh, week and a half or so. You know how often you actually break it out and uh, play. I know you did with your uh, father's uh, retirement
1: yeah. Yeah, ceremony
0: uh, last year, which was very cool.
1: It's cool. One of the one of the cool things about it, although I don't play as often as I would like to, is it switches back to being a hobby and being something you do. As a stress reliever, or as opposed to when it was like my requirement for the gig or whatever. So, I tried to play as much as I can, but it doesn't happen as near as often as it used to.
0: <laughs> do you encourage your kids to get in yeah. to have you encourage your kids to get into music then because it's in your lineage?
1: Yeah, and I think it's just I think it's something that you can do forever. I encourage them to play sports and music and all that stuff, or to do to be active in all that extracurricular way. But music's one of the things you can really do for a long time. Eventually, your body's going to wear out. And you're not going to be as athletic. That you could play music for a long. Time.
0: Reaching to the choir, there. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. If anybody wants to reach out, if they got curious. If you get anybody that's interested in uh, joining the military band, I think this is uh, a, definitely uh, a unique career opportunity for anybody that uh, yeah, absolutely that plays. What's the best way for anybody to connect with you if they want would like to
1: uh, email or sell us? Fine, you got both of those.
0: And I'll put uh, I'll put your LinkedIn account yep. info in the show notes as well. And uh, man, appreciate the time.
1: Absolutely, John. Thanks a lot, man. Cool. See you later. I'll
0: type for a second.